Hello and welcome to The Personhood Project. I'm your host, Aaron Tyler Hand. In this podcast, we explore poetry's ability to provide the tools necessary to process trauma, lead towards personal growth, and help reduce recidivism in the carceral system. If these topics are of interest to you, we ask that you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you are currently listening. In this episode, we are joined by Tomas Q. Maureen. He is the author of three collections of poetry, including A Larger Country, Patient Zero, and 2021's Machete. He also has a forthcoming memoir due out in March 2022 called Let Me Count the Ways. He holds an MFA in creative writing from Texas State University and is currently an assistant professor of creative writing at Rice University. Thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Aaron. So I'm currently a MFA student at the Texas State University's Creative Writing Program, and you graduated from there several years ago. Yeah, it was uh, 2003. Uh, with every every passing year, that several gets bigger. Yeah. <laughs> what did you think of the program back then? I'm sure so much has changed in the well, it's nearly 20 years since. Yeah, yeah. I'll be graduating in 2023. So yeah, it'll be 20 years since. Wow. You, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think uh, I feel like the. I have some some friends who have graduated from the program more recently, uh, and I, I feel like the program, uh, like it's sort of like bedrock, is probably still pretty similar uh, to mm-hmm. where it was in 2000. You know, they've added some new faculty. You know, faculty have come and gone. You know, that sort of thing. But the sort of like core of uh, what makes that uh, program special is, I think, I think still there. Um, what has changed dramatically is uh, the town. Right. Yes. Is, is San Marcos around, um, yeah, around uh, Texas State. I mean, um, I first went to San Marcos in 1994 as uh, as an undergraduate. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I remember back then in 94, driving up to Austin, uh, South Park Meadows uh, was Meadows, was actual real Meadows. Legitimately yeah, Meadows, legitimately yeah. Legitimately <laughs> Meadows, uh, where, um, like... Um, Dave Matthews uh, uh, had a concert out there, like they mm-hmm. had concerts out there, and now it's just like paved over. Yeah. You know? So I, I've I've become I've sort of stayed around in the area long enough where I've become one of the sort of like old timers where I can <laughs> point and say, yeah, hey, there used to be a barn over there, you know, where there's a Bed Bath and Beyond now. Yeah. Um, so that's bizarre, but yeah, yeah, San Marcos is just it's just exploded. You know, it's just really exploded and. Uh, it feels weird when I go back to visit friends because uh, uh, landmarks are different mm-hmm. now, you know. Um, is there anything like you miss from the old days of San Marcos or anything that kind of like stands out as still there being like, oh, man, I got to see that thing when I go back? Um, yeah, well, uh, one thing I really miss is um, uh, just the skyline used to be different, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with the uh, development of the the large, uh, really high apartment buildings. Yeah, uh, it, it's really changed. Just, um, uh, just the, uh, just the way everything looks. Uh, I almost feel sometimes when when I go back to visit now, um, like uh, like these buildings are like looking over my shoulder. You know, they're a little <laughs> claustrophobic. Uh, one of the places I always go whenever I'm in the area uh, to go eat is Manas. Um, uh, it's it's this little uh, family-run uh, Mexican restaurant. I think it was founded in 1976. Oh wow! Um, and uh, it's it's like hands down like the best Tex-Mex like I've ever had. Um, uh, the greatest compliment I can give them is I took my mom to eat there once, and uh, the next time she was in town, 
I asked her where she wanted to go, and she said, uh, anywhere but there. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what do you mean anywhere but there? And she said, well, you know, what they make is everything I can have at home. Oh, yeah. I can make it home. Uh, so that's like the greatest compliment. Yeah, I was going to say, that's a compliment of the them. restaurant. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, but they're just, uh, it, it's, it's sort of like hole in the wall in a neighborhood. Uh, mm-hmm. If you drive by and you're not paying attention, you just think you just drove by a house. Yeah. Uh, but but it's, it's a restaurant, and uh, I was worried they wouldn't make it through the pandemic. But but they did. And, they did. Uh, That's great. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. So so the food and, and friends, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, That's kind of the most important thing anywhere. Yeah. Just make sure you have good food and good friends to Absolutely. make you go back there. Yeah. Kind of going back to the writing. How do you think you've kind of grown as a writer since that time? It's been twenty years since you graduated yeah. an MFA program. That can kind of be like a a turning point in people's lives. So like as a writer, how do you think you've kind of grown sure. since then? Um, in a variety of ways. I mean, my MFA was in poetry. Uh, uh, your genre is poetry. Poetry. Um, you know, so like that's how I was educated and how I was trained. Um, and like fast forward now to almost 20 years later, and you know, I have a memoir coming out. I've published essays. Um, uh, I have a novel that I'm going to start next year. Uh, I'm a translator. Like all of these other things. It's like I. I graduated thinking like okay you know i'll be a poet for the rest of my life and uh and i still am um you know obviously with a new book out but um i've had to really change how i think of myself Mm -hmm. because someone had asked me for a bio not too long ago and i thought at first i started putting uh is a poet memoirist essayist and then i thought why can't i just put writer yeah (laughs) you know uh that's like the umbrella term right you know that's that's what we do and uh one of the great things about texas state is that i thought i graduated from there thinking that they had taught me how to just be a poet but what i really learned was how to make a life as a writer mm-hmm. so as i've followed my curiosity in the couple decades since i first got there um that and as that curiosity has led me into different genres um, I've just felt, you know, like I've made myself at home in them, you know, um, because I, I never thought of, you know, when it came down to it, I wasn't just a poet, you know. Exactly. Um, I kind of think the same thing for myself. Like I'm focusing on poetry, but I do dabble in other things and it just feels more comfortable calling myself like a creative writer or something yeah. like that. You just kind yeah. of like defining myself and I know while this podcast kind of focuses on poetry as a tool um, I do appreciate all tools and I think they all have their own necessary uh, way of helping people like different ways and that's kind of what I want to talk about next is how has poetry helped you kind of process emotions or work through traumas and how has it differed from writing a memoir like Mm. maybe like what kind of changed happened when you're thinking like this information isn't working for poetry, like a memoir is where right. it needs to go? That's a great question. Um, you know, uh, I tend to write the, you know, poetry comes in very different modes, and uh, the mode that I'm the closest to um, is, I wouldn't call it meditative. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily call it narrative either. Um, it, it's the mode that Elizabeth Bishop writes in, mm-hmm. this, um, you know, this, this mode where, like, the approach is, I'm not going into writing a poem feeling like I already know everything that's going to be in the poem or like I already just know everything. Instead, like the poem is very much in exploration. Uh, But it's also what I try to do is, you know, I try to show and put on the page 
uh, my mind uh, in in progress, my thinking in mm-hmm. progress. Um, so that really gives you know a reader a chance to step into my shoes and uh, follow my thinking, which sometimes, you know, which which like most everyone's thinking is not linear. Yeah, you know sometimes I double back on myself, I contradict myself, um, I rethink something, um, and that's something that I've I've tried to em- embrace more. Because um, I think it's more human. Yeah, definitely. You know, it's, it's more human as opposed to, I mean, how many of us go into a situation feeling, feeling like we know all the answers <laughs> and know everything? Um, and if you do, you're kind of asking for trouble. Yeah. You, know? um, you might be surprised in, in, not, in not a good way. Um, yeah, the memoir, uh, the memoir is, is similar. Um, the structure of it is, is different, you know. Um, I feel a lot more uh, vulnerable yeah. in the memoir. Um, I don't, it's almost like I don't have, I don't have lines and stanzas to hide behind mm-hmm. that anymore. Makes sense. Um, yeah, you're just, you're just more, you know, more naked. And uh, Kiesa Lehman uh, has talked about how, you know, we need to, uh, as people who write, uh, not just nonfiction, but just as writers, uh, he has this great phrase like, uh, "How do we protect our insides?" Yeah, you know. Um, and I've been thinking about that a lot. Um, I had to reread the book uh, recently for the final pass of the page proofs, and um, I I put it off until the very end. Put it off until the very end because I just did not want to read that book. Uh, cover to cover again mm-hmm. you know it was just it was just it's it still to me feels very um the emotions in it feel very raw yeah uh and i thought that when i got all of those emotions and all of those uh moments from my childhood onto the page that i would in a sense um like be cleansed you know of that of that pain and uh the fact of the matter is that i'm not <laughs> You know, it's um, still there, it's still processing. Yeah, 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 it's still there, and so I was thinking, uh, I, I'm going to have to figure out a way to um, be very selective about the excerpts that I pull out for when I give readings and do events, so that I can present this work and share the book in a way that feels true and honest uh, to um, to readers and to, mm-hmm. and to an audience, but also in a way that doesn't feel harmful. Yeah. To me you know like i can't be a wreck every time i do an event <laughs> for this book you know that's the, that's not healthy so yeah so it's uh so it's different i mean in, in in poetry i've written a lot of poems um through masks uh through persona um uh, the poet i was one of my teachers at texas state mm-hmm. um uh, my third year she was a, a visiting writer and she wrote almost exclusively you know dramatic monologues and uh, I learned a lot from her about uh, research, you know, how to research a voice, yeah. how to create a character, how to create a scene, you know, those sorts of things that we tend to think only fiction writers <laughs> do. Um, and uh, those particular tools have helped me write about difficult things in poetry in a way that felt safe yeah. for me. Um, but as I've, as I've moved on um, from uh, book to book, I've dropped more of the masks. So like my newest book, Machete, um, there are some personas, uh, poems in there, like one in the voice of a roll of duct tape, you know, <laughs> um, but a lot of the poems are, they're just, they're, uh, like they're me, yeah. you know, and it's, it's clear that like that distance between 
me as a person and me as a voice on the page has shrunk a lot from 2000 when I started that uh, the program at Texas State to uh, to now. You know that distance is uh, is really really small. You you mentioned poetry as protection, poetry as like a mask and. Would you say that when you started writing your first collection, A Larger Country, that was your first collection, right? You like you wouldn't be ready to shed that mask yet, like where you are now. It's taken you this many years to feel comfortable to shed that mask. Like if you tried to write Let Me Count the Ways back then, it right. wouldn't be like you wouldn't be in the right place. Would that be accurate? Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, I had to, you know, I had to figure out how to say what I wanted to say uh, while also like dealing with this material that felt too hot, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to the touch. And uh, yeah, personas were a great way to do that. But, um, you know, I, I also feel like the stakes are, uh, the stakes are different now. I mean, uh, I'm a father now, you know, I'm a parent. So um, I'm thinking also like when, uh, my poems are read, you know, by my family. I want them to be able to read the poems and um, to see me yeah. in them, you know, to see me in them, uh, especially after, you know, whenever the day, hopefully far into the future comes when I'm not here anymore, you know, that they can, um, you know, pick up one of these books, uh, read one of these poems and, and, you know, it's like, oh, there's dad on the page, you know, uh, versus... You know, in my first book, um, like that wasn't that wasn't something that was on my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just doing the thing. You know, just expressing myself and trying to figure out how to tell a story. You know, on the page. Um, so that's been you know that's been a huge a huge shift. Yeah. So there is. It sounds like there's like a. It sounds like there's like a gap between like being able to fully express yourself and like you know creatively a kind of expressing yourself like they're almost like two different worlds a little bit and then it takes time to work your way into that and I think that's definitely important to understand thinking about the context of this podcast and how us at the personhood project are working with the incarcerated folks and how they're Mm -hmm. we're trying to use storytelling or poetry as like a way of like being able to express themselves but uh, thinking for them they don't necessarily need to go to the rawest places like it's okay to like slowly shed the layers of skin to get down to it yeah yeah absolutely and um you know uh, writing and reading are uh, one of my one of the my favorite phrases that's been making the rounds the last few years is possibly possibility model Mm -hmm. um versus like role model oh yeah uh and i love this idea of uh literature the things we read and the things we write um you know help them being able to act as possibility models in the sense that they can give us the tools to imagine ourselves into a different life. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, that's so important. Um, uh, one of the things I mentioned in uh, the questionnaire for this project was how, uh, when I was 16, um, I was, uh, I was involved in a crime and, uh, ended up in a juvenile detention and, um, one of the most important moments for me when I was in there was that, um, you know, I was away from my family, away from my friends, away from school, you know, the, the life, right, you know, uh, the life that I had known. 
And my teachers had uh, sent some schoolwork, uh, but still, like, I felt, like, disconnected. And um, uh, I kept trying to, you know, I kept trying to imagine uh, uh, my classrooms without me in them, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and just, like, wanting to be back, right? Wanting to be back in that seat in that chair surrounded by my classmates and with my teachers. And, um, and uh, I started remembering... Uh, all these uh, stories that my grandfather used to, because he was a great storyteller, that he used to tell me uh, when I was a kid. And he, he could neither read nor write. Uh, Spanish was his uh, only language, and he couldn't read or write in, uh, in it. Um, but he was just a great storyteller. And uh, he had passed away um, about a year or two before I got uh, in trouble with the law. And... Um, his loss was, uh, it just like sent me spiraling, you know, mm -hmm. to a really bad depression um, that led to other things. But yeah, like I, I started reconnecting to like story and thinking um, like, what is, you know, what is, what is this, what is this turn that the story of my life has taken? Yeah. You know, and uh, can I have a chance to not erase it, but like, uh, where am I going to take it from here? How am I going to author the story of my life? from this point forward, you know, this unexpected thing has happened, his death, you know, um, you know, being, um, arrested and, you know, being in detention, juvenile detention. Uh, and I really started thinking like, um, you know, I made certain choices that got me here. What are the choices I can make to lead me to a different kind of life? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, cause I didn't want to just go back to the life I had before. You know, I wanted it to be, wanted it to be different. And then once I did get back in school, um, you know, reading poetry and reading reading novels and uh, like reading all sorts of things for my classes, instead of just seeing it as homework, I started um, thinking like, how can how can I use these books to just like uh, imagine a different future? <laughs> yeah, you know, imagine and try to imagine my way into it. Mm -hmm. You know, into that into that life. You called it. Um possibility model or choice yeah, model? possibility possibility model, model yeah. yeah so your grandfather was almost like a possibility model for you and his like storytelling yeah um it kind of led to you to think of other ways and or just if nothing else kind of see this world as like a story that you yourself are writing yeah and you you could make the choices on how you want it to go right. yeah yeah i you know i I've, I've never really been a fan of um uh, the idea of like uh, like destiny, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I, I think um, I think we have much more agency yeah. than that, you know. Um, much more free will and um, yeah. So so uh, yeah. His his stories connected me to my family, uh, you know, to my past. But also his stories were full of um, like I put one of his stories in the memoir. Uh, his stories were always full of animals, and there was they broke down the division between the animal world and the human world. Mm -hmm. and there was almost always a trickster in them, um, uh, and the stories were always full of you know they were full of lessons you know of uh, someone who uh, thought they were grown but weren't, or someone who thought they knew everything but didn't. Um, and there was always these moments of um, like redemption, yeah. you know where. Um, you know, the main character who's uh, sort of foolish, you know, has has a chance to, uh, 
you know, uh, choose a different, you know, choose a different path and, and learn, you know, learn something. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, like lying there on that sort of that concrete block after, you know, it was lights out and just thinking, like, how did I get here? Like, I could hear his voice and I could hear those stories. Um, it was a way for my mind to uh, be out of that place, mm-hmm. you know, and in my mind and in my imagination and through his voice and his stories um, until I fell asleep, you know, each night, like, I could leave, mm-hmm. you know, um, yeah, and that was, that was, I mean, such a gift, you know, such yeah. a gift. Kind of on that subject of you learning from your grandfather and passing on, or like wanting to grow from it, I think that's kind of what we hoped with sharing your poems with the people in our program at yeah. the at the carceral facilities here in Central Texas. So here at the Personhood Project, we take the writer's poems that we interview and we create writing prompts around them and then distribute them to the incarcerated people working within our program. And then they use them as inspiration. They use some backstory on them as inspiration to help write their own poems. For Tomas, we have two poems. For my daughter and Machete. Would you want to go ahead and read For My Daughter and sure. we could, uh, yeah, yeah go from there? For My Daughter. Even after I add up all your birthdays I've celebrated, but that haven't come to pass. Since that day long ago when we agreed, it would be better if you never drew that first breath of air. You were still only zero, as all the unborn are. Though you never look like a zero, which resembles the eye of a needle, or even less than that, the head of a needle, maybe. Though that also seems too large, which doesn't matter because I always see you small and running. At what age does that happen? Across a porch toward my arms that for once aren't filled with books or groceries, or even the arms of a lover. And as you draw closer, I see your brow is sweaty because you've been pretending you're a cowboy again, as you like to do, and that I'm a buffalo, stabbed and shot so many times it doesn't know it's already dead. And so it keeps on limping around while you chase away the buzzards it thinks are pretty. And so round and round our little game goes until you get tired of playing the hero. Throw away your star and face my shaggy frown just before you smile and jump back home in between my horns. I feel like we get a great sense of that storytelling that you learned from your grandfather in this poem as well. Yeah. Just so you, you all know the writing prompt that some of these poems we're going to be reading are based off of, I'm going to read it now, and it'll also be on our website later on for people if you want to go and look at it or if you want to read the poems that we're going to be reading here in a bit. So I wrote for them, Think of someone you wish you could spend some time with. Write a poem about what that moment would be like. Be specific about what you two would do or where you'd be. So we got a few poems here based off that poem. The first one here is Untitled. Would you want to read that Untitled poem? Sure. Welcome to my room where the conversation is mad rich. Sometimes too intense. Just from our words, our bodies be gasping tingling off the incense. Oh, mixed with the wine called Aladdin's compassion. Jasmine's the last of the ratchets. I take the time to tease your body 
as if I found me a bad riff. Your God's gift to me especially, beautiful with a complexion that say come and devour me for hours. We spend talking on the phone. Oh, the sweet and sour. Oh, please fly a kite with me away in the open seas. The only thing that I see is me when you're staring back and I speak boom, boom, baby. That last line. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a little unexpected and out of nowhere, but like it, as soon as you said it, like especially giving a little pause between them, it's like yeah. the perfect ending for a poem about missing someone. And, you know, at the beginning, we kind of gets put in the setting of like feeling what it's like to be kind of in the carceral system with mm -hmm. like drinking uh, this. Uh, tingling off the incense mis mixed with the wine and it has like its own special name Aladdin's Compassion and then that like sends the writer right into this world of writing about this person that they've been missing and it feels super intimate yeah and I love the um, like my uh, favorite part of the poem is the turn it takes with um, uh, oh the sweet and sour oh please fly a kite with me and then suddenly like we're out on the ocean mm -hmm. and we're out on the ocean there's a kite um, and, um, then what I feel like pulls into focus is, um, just having, uh, time alone with this other person, um, is like, what is, uh, like, that's the dream, Yeah. you know, not just, uh, alone with them, but also, um, you know, being out on the open seas, you know, away from everything else, you know, like two people basically being like, like an island, right? Exactly. You know, um, yeah, it's it's such a beautiful and unexpected unexpected turn. I'm I'm always writing about uh, lakes, mm -hmm. um, uh, imagined lakes, real lakes, and um, like I still don't exactly know why uh, they just like keep showing up in my work. Um, so when I got to that part, I was like, oh yeah, like I'm like I'm totally there. I get it. You know this uh, the ways in which you know water can um, yeah make us feel like we belong, but we're also like apart. Yeah, and we get, uh, it's such a change from the beginning. Welcome mm -hmm. to my room right. where the conversation is mad rich. So we get this yeah. like sense of it. There's just being like so many people around and not being able to have that alone time. So just like, yeah. just switching from that setting and just imagining being not only alone with this person, but being like the only two people in the world, like having right. that feeling of being yeah. the only two people in the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like that, um, like that Desert Island Disc thing, right? Or like that, um, you know, what are the three books you would take? Right? Yeah, exactly. This is like, what's the one person you would take? Uh-huh. You know, yeah. We have another poem here, Aaliyah. Would you want to go ahead and read that one as well? Yeah. Aaliyah. Three years you've been in my life. Your mother is my beautiful wife. One year I spent it in jail, writing and drawing so I can get mail. I sit in my bunk and daydream of Disneyland, a place that we can run and play, especially on a day like your birthday. Because birthdays only come once a year, some bring joy long with the occasional happy tear, a time together that has been well spent, wishing and dreaming of this joyous event. Until then, my sweet daughter, all my love has been sent. Like for for me, this poem um, conjures up um, 
like memories of receiving mail from my father when he was in prison. Mm -hmm. My father was in prison for a while, um, and like writing him back, and he would um, like send me stuff that he'd like drawn on a handkerchief, you know, drawings he'd done. Um, he got to do like some uh, like leather work as well. Oh wow! You know? uh, and, and would send that in the mail when I was when I was a kid, and um, so it, like this poem takes me straight to. Um, being the receiver, mm -hmm. or the receiver of things, because um, um, yeah, like when it, you know when one of your parents is gone, it's like, well, what are they doing? Yeah, exactly. You know, and um, you know, you might see, you know, uh, images of you know prison or jail um, on TV or in movies, uh, but it's not the same thing. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the same thing. Um, uh, there's so much uh, uh, boredom. Yeah. You know, or it can be so much boredom and so much downtime, um, you know, to fill. Um, yeah, and, and receiving, like receiving those things that you could, like I could tell, took a lot of time. You know, took a lot of time to do was, um, yeah, was really special. You think you still have any of those items that your father made you? I, I know, I know I have one. Um, I, might, I might have a couple stored away somewhere. Um, like uh, I've moved a lot over the last few years, and and I have, and I'm very loath to throw anything away. Yeah. Uh, so it's in a box somewhere. <laughs> like it's in that corner with all the boxes that I haven't, I haven't, you know, gone through yet. So I'm, I'm sure I do. I'm sure I do have some. Yeah. That's. I mean, that's yeah. special, especially, especially to think about like what this poet is doing for his daughter here. Yeah. You know, she is presumably three mm -hmm. at this point in time, and you're, yeah. you know. 30, 40 years later, they're still going to keep those memories close to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's a special thing. We have one more here based around or inspired by your poem, For My Daughter. Would you want to read that yeah. one? I remember. I remember the walks on the beach as we talk on your island, ancient salty air breathing through your hair. I remember the moon glimmering on your nose as we walked out of the theater where I massaged your feet, watching a movie, savoring your body heat. I remember when we thought our backs would break, carrying boxes up the stairs to our new apartment, college freshmen newly wed to a marriage that now is dead. I remember sitting on couches facing across, your eyes dried from old tears, finished with the lies as we said our goodbyes i remember the slant rhyme in this one i think is doing a lot of work here just kind of like mm -hmm. sucking the reader in and then even the harder rhyme like the feet and the heat at the end lines like yeah. it just really helps emphasize like those moments together the mm -hmm. massages in the movie theater savoring mm -hmm. and just like being together within mm -hmm. that moment one thing that's incredible about that stanza with the movie theater is um, that uh, they were uh, so close and 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 so in their like in their own world that and their intimacy like it, it travels right mm -hmm. you know because uh, it's, it's one thing to you know uh, massage your you know your beloved's feet at home but to go to a movie theater and feel like you're still at home you know that you would massage their feet there like that's um, like that's incredible. Yeah, you know that's that's really yeah that's really something. We get like a one two three four five, call it five stanza poem. Like it's a shorter five stanza poem, mm -hmm. 
but it fully encompasses this whole relationship that you know from like the meeting each other to mm. the passion growing yeah. and then we see it ending unfortunately yeah but for such a short poem to be able to encompass all like all of these emotions mm-hmm. that a complicated relationship can hold is yeah. pretty astounding yeah there's a lot of uh, time traveling right mm-hmm. you know in this yeah in this poem yes yeah it covers yeah it covers so much we had one other poem of yours that we sent off to them to hopefully gain some inspiration around. Would you be able to read that one for sure. us? This poem is called Machete. When they stare, I know it is my skin they fear. This face, this hair so unlike theirs. I meet their eyes and make them sway like fields of cane. When they stiffen, I sharpen the edge of my smile and watch them fall. I love them in my cake, how they sink in the dark coffee where they give up the sweetness. They make me take one slice at a time. Thank you. What was the, uh, the prompt around this one that came out of this one? Yeah, so I have, or I sent to them, Write a poem about what it's like for you to walk around in your skin. Make it clear so that someone who might not have the same experiences as you can gain a better understanding of you. I love that. Yeah. Thank you. Um, we have a couple poems here as well. If you wouldn't mind reading yeah, yeah. Uh, the first one here, Aztec Skin. I love that title. Yeah. Aztec Skin. <clears throat> Light brown with Aztec blood, mixed with mestizo love, full of Mexican pride, with tattoos going up and down and side to side, a smile that attracts people from all around. As I walk with my head up high on this cherished ground, scared in my head, never forget them memories, like my ancestors who fought battles with their bitter enemies. Yeah, this is um, such a wonderful, wonderful poem that um, it's like you can tell right off the bat that uh, this is someone who, um, like, they love their body, mm-hmm. you know, um, and um, that's such a, you know, such a, such a beautiful, such a beautiful thing. Um, I feel like the, you know, the pandemic has... Um, for a lot of us, I know I, I put on some pandemic pounds. Same here. You know, um, has you know created these uh, sometimes complicated relationships. You know that we have now with our bodies because uh, we're they're not the same ones that they were right before. But you know, uh, they're also the bodies that have gotten us through. Mm-hmm. You know, gotten us through, and um, they need to be celebrated. You know, in the way that you know, you know, the author of this poem, Mastic Skin, is. Um, you know, celebrating, you know, celebrating their body. I also think it's like, it almost feels like a revolution, especially like kind of in the political climate mm-hmm. of the world we live in, to someone just being like, this is me in my Aztec yeah. skin. I'm full of Mexican pride. Like, that is yeah. like, that is like an anthem that someone is screaming at someone else, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love that on this cherished ground, you know, this, um, you know, a lot of the poems that we've looked at so far, you know, this this, um, this idea of belonging is so tied 
to the natural world, you know, whether it's, you know, an island, you know, out on the sea or, you know, the ground mm -hmm. here that, you know, we walk on. Um, one thing that I loved um, when I read these poems, uh, when you sent them to me, was was that um, that rootedness. You yeah. know, these are these are not poems that are, um, you know, existing up in the clouds and abs in abstractions. You know, um, these are you know human poems by human people. Like you can feel the uh, the pulse. Yeah. You know the pulse of real people in these in these poems. Yeah, all these poems so far have shown a humanity have shown mm -hmm. as you said like a real person yeah. within them and i think they do a good job of helping these people kind of express or just be like hey this is how i should be seen like right. i don't need any labels or anything held right. over me. like this is me as an individual person which right. is important power that something like poetry can offer absolutely absolutely especially when you know if you're in the crossroads system uh when um you become a number yeah you know you become a number you know or if you know you join a gang you know you know you get nicknames you know and and your your sense of identity starts you know necessarily shifting mm -hmm. um yeah being able to like put down in words uh who you think you still are yeah you know is is just it's it's, it's an incredible gift that you can give yourself yeah you know? definitely we have one more poem here um kind of inspired by your machete poems could you read faces for us yeah Faces. Faces haunt me. I sleep in a wake of insomnia. They stab at me and haunt me. My childhood taken and exploited to mold the deep life I've tried to truly live and find my soul around the world I've been. Now in my hands I hold what's left of a heart and a life I loathe, though I do not know the meaning I continue to try at love. My kids I provide for, stranded from the man above, without life, without love. I'd be nothing but dust, but my faith remains in a man called God. That's a must. It's kind of a, a little different than the other ones mm -hmm. that we get a little more abstract in it, yeah. especially in the beginning, but it leads up to this kind of like grounding of you know, this is who I am and I wouldn't be in this place without God. So like kind yeah. of taking this abstraction and then leading it to a personal grounding mm -hmm. is like, it works really well in this one. Yeah. I feel like the, <clears throat> you know, what there is in the poem of, of abstraction is um, like what makes room for it is the fact that uh, it's, it's a night poem, you know, it's a, it's a nocturne and yeah. um, you know, it's uh, not just a poem that's written at night and about night, but also about being able to access rest, mm -hmm. being able to access sleep, you know, and uh, and a break from the world. Um, so for me, like that, that opens up that that dreamscape, you know, opens up definitely the for, you know, for that. Um, and I love to see you know a word like like soul, you know, um, and I, I mean I, I can I can so relate to. Um, my memoir deals a lot with uh, excavating, you know, the past and my relationship to my father, a complicated relationship to him, and um, even now, like as like as a forty-five-year-old adult, you know, trying to untangle, you know, these uh, psychological knots, these mm -hmm. emotional knots, and um, uh, trying to get to a place of, you know, of, of peace. You know, it's um, like it's. 
it's 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 a life's work yeah you know it's it's a life's work and uh he's no longer alive he passed away a few years ago um but like that work continues and it's made me think a lot about legacy like you know the legacy that we uh the psychological legacy we give our children the ways in which traumas are generational you know can be passed on and um that moment um where he, uh, the writer says um What's left of a heart and a life I loathe, though I do not know the meaning, I continue to try at love. Yeah. You know, it's, um, yeah, like, th those are just, like, um, I mean, um, brilliant lines in the sense that they are, like, literally shining a light, you know, on this this feeling of in-betweenness, you mm -hmm. know, um, stuck between, you know, what has come of your life and trying to do something different and... And like recognizing that, like this is you know this is where I'm at. You know this is where I'm at, and I'm trying. You know it's um, it's, it's it's a beautiful beautiful thing. That kind of fully encompasses like where these people kind of are at their life at this at this place where they're ready for the the transition, and they're using the poetry to kind of you know baby steps their way there. Like you said, yeah. at 45 you're still like figuring these things out. Like I mean, it's yeah. not something that comes with age is something that right. comes with work so right. yeah it's about putting in right. the work to do it yeah putting in the work and and um you know it's especially for uh, folks who've been through this you know dehumanizing system you know the carceral system mm -hmm. um like you know retaining your humanity uh it's you know it's so hard to do when the system is set up to take that away you know, to take that away not just your freedom but just take take away who like who you are as as a, as a person, um, and uh, again like going back to the idea of like possibility models, you know uh, books you know books of of poetry of of um, you know uh, essays of novels like novels like they're all full of these imagined worlds mm -hmm. right and um, um, you know they're not just like a, it's not just escapism. But it's a way to like plot your way, you know, plot your way into um, into a new story. Yeah, right? you know, a new story of your life. Exactly. Honestly, can't think of a better way to end. That was beautiful. Thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you. I want to thank Tomas Q. Marine for sitting down with me today. I also want to thank the incarcerated folks in our program that shared their work with us. A special thanks to our sound engineer, Nathan Parnell, as well as the San Marcos Arts Commission for funding this project. Until next time.